welcome to the Crib Notes Podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Wall. Crib Notes are a concise set of notes used for quick reference, usually during a speech or a test. In the next 10 minutes, we're going to give you the Crib Notes version of the major headlines from the past week. In each episode, we cover the White House, Congress, national headlines, international headlines, climate change, and some side story that doesn't quite fit into any of those categories. As always, a link to all of my sources can be found in the description of the episode. Okay, here we go. The White House. The Department of Justice, under the direction of Trump and Attorney General Jeff Sessions, is going to impose quotas on immigration judges. In a nutshell, to receive a satisfactory rating on their annual performance review, these judges will need to complete 700 cases per year. There are several things to look at here, some more troubling than others. First, on average, an immigration judge already clears about 678 cases per year. So while that quantity jump is not that huge, It redefines the stakes for handling an average number of cases. Second, there is a backlog of roughly 600,000 pending cases in the immigration review court system, which leads to some people waiting years for a court date. Tying a quota system to performance reviews incentivizes productivity over nuance. Let's say, for instance, a judge is 50 cases behind quota in the final month of the year. Will those remaining cases be judged with the same care and patience as they would if there was no quota to meet and no implicit deadline for hearing out the facts? In other immigration news, on Wednesday, Trump signed off on sending the National Guard down to the U.S.-Mexico border to help protect against illegal immigration. I'm going to keep this story pretty short because, truthfully, it's not as important as it immediately sounds. Both George W. Bush and Barack Obama pulled this exact same move. It is unconstitutional for the U.S. military to engage in civilian law enforcement except through a specific order from Congress. So the National Guard will be present, but will not assist in any apprehensions or arrests. When Bush and Obama did it, the National Guard assisted in paperwork and in bolstering some infrastructure along the border. Ultimately, in both cases, the presence of the National Guard wound up being both expensive and relatively ineffective. In 2011, the Washington Post calculated that the 1,200 troops Obama sent in loosely assisted Border Patrol in stopping 25,514 illegal border crossings at a cost of $160 million, or roughly $6,271 per person caught. So in all likelihood, this move is going to irritate both Democrats and Republican budget hawks in Congress and wind up being politically damaging to Trump, just like it was for Bush and Obama. All that said, as of the recording of this episode, the White House has yet to announce the official structure of the plan or how many troops will be sent or when. So we'll have more details on all of that as it actually unfolds. Congress. Congress is still on recess, so once again there isn't much news to offer in this segment. One interesting story, however, is that Facebook founder and CEO Mark Zuckerberg will testify before Congress on April 11th. The goal of the hearing is to better understand the nature and cause of the much-publicized Cambridge Analytica scandal, in which personal data of some 87 million Facebook users was obtained by the outside research firm and reportedly used to aid the Trump campaign through highly targeted messaging. The incident has sparked a public outcry about the way tech companies handle the personal data of their customers. Hashtag delete Facebook has been a trending topic on most social media platforms. What makes this data breach different from others is that it wasn't exactly hacking. Facebook users were targeted by the outside company and offered one or two dollars to take surveys. And in the agreement to receive the money, they also agreed to grant the creators of the survey access to a variety of information available through their Facebook profile. Super shady, no doubt, but not exactly illegal. Which has sent this important question to the forefront of the conversation. 
Whose responsibility is it to protect internet users from metadata mining? The users themselves or the tech companies that host our data? This conversation is long overdue and could have an unfathomably significant impact on the future of privacy, democracy, and security. So we'll explore this more as time goes on. But for now, let's see what Zuckerberg has to say on the 11th. National Headlines On Tuesday, a woman brought a 9mm handgun to YouTube headquarters in San Bruno, California and opened fired in an area full of employees, resulting in at least four injuries before turning the gun on herself. At the time I'm writing this, little is known of the shooter except that her website has harsh criticism for YouTube as an entity. Specifically, she seemed to take umbrage with YouTube policies removing her videos for violating terms and conditions, and claimed that YouTube was using its algorithms to bury her videos. The articles I read spun into speculation from there, but I don't like doing that, so we'll just leave the story there for now. One stat I did see that seems worth reporting, active shooting incidents involving a female shooter are incredibly rare, representing less than 4% of active shooting incidents nationwide since 1966. Have you ever heard of the Sinclair Broadcast Group? Yeah, neither had I. It's a media organization that has, over the past several years, purchased over 200 local news stations, thus extending its reach to roughly 40% of Americans. Since buying its way into such a position of influence, Sinclair has sent its stations media packages known as, quote, must-runs. Must-runs are not uncommon for centrally owned local media affiliates, but traditionally must-runs are used to run promos for the station or the parent company. Sinclair's must-runs, however, reportedly include scripts and video clips with noticeably conservative leanings created by the central office, past must-runs from Sinclair included one during the 2016 election, which accused the Democratic Party of being historically pro-slavery, defense segments for Trump's commission against voter fraud, and other commentary of that nature, like this clip directed at college students. Listen up closely, Snowflake. Yes, I'm talking to you. You, the social justice warrior who whines for trigger warnings and safe spaces. You're entering adulthood. It's time you start acting like a grown-up. This week, a video was published that showcased dozens of local Sinclair-owned news stations presenting, word for word, the exact same script decrying a so-called plague of one-sided news stories in media. Listen. Without checking facts first. The sharing of biased and false, false news has, has become, become all too common, common on, on social, social media. media. More alarming, some media this is extremely dangerous to our democracy. This is extremely dangerous to our democracy. Whatever you think of this story and the implications it has on the concept of free press, you have to admit the irony of an obvious display of corporate message control decrying biased news coverage. International Headlines Remember a few weeks ago when we talked about Trump imposing a tariff on steel and aluminum imports to the US? Well, there are some updates. The European Union threatened to impose retaliatory tariffs mainly on peanut butter, bourbon, Levi jeans, and motorcycles, namely Harleys. 
In other words, a bunch of stuff that Americans consider super American. So days later, when Trump actually signed the tariff, he included an exemption for Canada and Mexico and a loophole wherein other countries can negotiate an exemption with the somewhat obvious intention of preventing retaliatory actions from allies in Europe. Ultimately, based on Trump's tweets and speeches, the White House was really trying to hit China with the tariffs more than anyone else. And to double down on that intention, they announced on Wednesday that Trump plans to impose tariffs on $50 billion of Chinese imports across 1,300 categories. In response, China threatened to impose a matching tariff. According to economist Jim O'Sullivan, these tariffs would amount to approximately a 0.1% increase to the cost structure of the economy, so these tariffs are not hugely damaging. What concerns economists is the possibility that they are the first few jabs of a boxing match. Not meant to knock anyone out, but simply to size them up. Climate Watch. My friend April gave me a book a few weeks ago called Drawdown, the most comprehensive plan ever proposed to reverse global warming. Each page presents a different idea, though there are interrelated threads that run throughout, and the scope of the plans ranges from individual choices all the way up to global initiatives. When we have time, I'm gonna pull out entries from this book, because the statistics are profound and the ideas are important, and sometimes surprising. This week we're gonna address plant-rich diets. First, some quick numbers regarding the industries at large. Conservative estimates suggest that the process of raising livestock accounts for 15% of annual greenhouse gas emissions globally. More extensive studies peg it at closer to 50%. Here's a, a fun stat. If cows were their own nation, they would be third on the list of top greenhouse gas emitters. A 2016 University of Oxford study found that if the whole world transitioned to plant-based diet over the next 30 years, overall emissions would be reduced by 63%. That study is linked in the show notes. So now, okay, the health argument. Humans require 50 grams of protein each day, but the average adult in the United States consumes 90 grams per day, almost twice what they need. And for you budget hawks out there, if we all went vegetarian, the Oxford study estimates a trillion dollars in annual healthcare savings. All in all, the study estimates a 13% increase in global gross domestic product by the end of the 30-year transition. And that's before you even factor in how much such a shift would offset climate change. Which, by the way, would be an approximate 66 gigaton reduction in CO2 emissions. One way to conceptualize that number is to consider that your individual share of 66 gigatons would amount to almost 5 tons of CO2 just by eating plants. Right? Side story. In 1992, a Romanian man named Constantin Relu went to Turkey on business, and his family never heard another word from him. After two decades without any news at all, his wife finally filed papers in 2016 declaring him dead. Then last month, Turkish officials discovered a man named Constantin Relu, who had come to Turkey 26 years earlier and just decided to stick around and never called his family to tell them so. And the officials noticed his papers were expired, so he was deported back to Romania. Upon arriving, Constantine found out that he was legally dead, and went to court to prove that he was, in fact, not dead. Unfortunately, Constantine had apparently missed the deadline for filing papers to have the death annulled, and therefore the official opinion of the court was that the man standing in front of them arguing his case was, in fact, irreversibly dead. So if you're having a bad day, it could be worse. That's it for this week, friends. If you like the show, you can subscribe, rate, and review it on iTunes. You can also go to patreon.com slash dylanwall to become a sustaining subscriber. 
You get fun rewards for signing up as a monthly donor, uh, starting at just a dollar a month, ranging from a shout out on the air all the way up to a guaranteed Crib Notes in focus episode on the topic of your choice. So if you've got 12 extra dollars this year, that's just a dollar a month, about 25 cents per episode, consider using it to help make this show happen by going to patreon.com slash Dylan Wall. You can find that link in the show notes. And a huge thank you this week to Dave Zuverink, who just started listening to the show a couple weeks ago and uh, became a sustaining member this past week. Thank you so much, Dave. You can follow us on Twitter, at CribNotesCast. Throughout the week, I post breaking news and interesting articles, so you can stay informed between episodes. If you have questions, concerns, corrections, suggestions, or have spent years perfecting your recipe for veggie burgers, and you want to share some of that wisdom, feel free to email me at thecribnotespodcast at gmail.com. You can find that email address, as well as a link to all my sources, in the description of this episode. Friends, you're great. And if there's any news next week, I'll talk to you then.